So this time of year, there is always a lot of talk, a lot of singing about peace, right? Every time Christmas comes up, we sing about peace. There's conversations about peace. There's decorations around peace. There's greeting cards around peace. But the problem is, at least in my experience, is that around Christmas, there's actually very little experience of peace. And I don't mean that like in a negative way, but I just know at my house this time of year, there is a lot going on. Not necessarily bad stuff, just a hectic pace of life during the holidays that we all have to experience, right? It's the going here, it's the doing this, it's the buying that and seeing those people. And just honestly, it's a lot sometimes. So I always chuckle to myself when we talk about peace and then look at our calendars. And I think maybe that's why one of the most all-time beloved holiday movies at the Parker household, at least, is Home Alone, right? If you've seen the opening scene of the Home Alone movie, the original one, the very first one, it is all about the chaos of the holidays, having families together, getting ready for a trip. It ends with spilled milk, uh, spilled pizza, ruined passports, and the movie goes off from there. Um, but I think it connects with us, right? Because we've all felt that when we're around family and the kids are going crazy and things are going haywire. We've all felt that lack of peace. Well, as we've done every week in the series Big Screen, I think it's interesting to look back and see that this idea of a lack of peace isn't unique to us. It was a lack of peace in the very first Christmas, you know? Uh, we, we idealize that first Christmas. We romanticize that first Christmas, but I'm not sure how much peace there was that first Christmas, right? We, we have pregnant, unwed Mary, who is undoubtedly the talk of the town. Undoubtedly, the gossip mill is running 24-7 about her and Joseph. Then they have to make this long journey of their own, going from the town in the northern Galilee of Nazareth down to around Jerusalem to the city of Bethlehem uh, for a census. And when they get there to that city, it's a crowded city. The, the streets are full. The inns are full. People are everywhere. I can't stand going into Walmart this time of year, much less going into a city that's crowded and full of people. And then to top it all off, when Mary goes into labor, when has any woman's labor ever been peaceful, <laughs> right? Like that wasn't a silent night when Mary was giving birth in a barn. So this idea of peace at Christmas, I think is something that we romanticize a little bit. Um, and, and this idea of serenity and silent night and peacefulness, I, I just don't think was a reality. However, on that first Christmas night, peace did break into the world. Just maybe not peace like we think of peace. And that peace that broke into the world that first Christmas night was a peace that was heralded by a choir of angels. You know that scene. You know that passage of Scripture, right? Go with me to Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, very familiar passage of Scripture, says, In the same region, the region of Bethlehem, which is right outside Jerusalem, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. And then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly... 
There were a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. While the last two weeks at the big screen, if you've been with us, and I hope you have, if not, they're online for you to go back and watch. Uh, those last two weeks, we have looked at more unfamiliar parts of the Christmas story, right? Like we looked at Simeon. You didn't even know he was part of the Christmas story before then. Or we looked at Joseph deciding what he's going to do when he found out Mary was pregnant. Those passages are kind of forgotten, overlooked. But this passage, the shepherd and the angels, man, this is one of the most iconic passages, one of the most iconic scenes around the account of Jesus's birth. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure that there has ever been a kid's church Christmas present or pageant that, that hasn't had little shepherds and little angels running around, right? They make it into our nativities. They make us on to the trees. And, and there's a good reason that shepherds are, are such a big deal, right? Because the fact that these angels visited shepherds is something that God's trying to show us about himself. See, by visiting the shepherds, the angel revealed the grace of God toward mankind. Shepherds really were at this time outcast in the nation of Israel. Their work made them ceremonially unclean because of being with the animals out in the field. And because they were ceremonially unclean, it kept them away from the temple, sometimes weeks at a time, so that they couldn't be made clean. And what we see here is that God comes to those shepherds, those unclean, those on the fringes of society, that when God shows his grace to people, when God uh, reveals himself and draws near to people, it's not always with the rich and the mighty, but God draws near to the poor and to the lowly. And so there's something significant about those shepherds, and that's why shepherds are such a huge part of the Christmas story, because the shepherds remind us of God drawing near to the least of us. But I think more important than the shepherds is the message that the angel proclaimed. See, the, the message brought to the shepherd from the angels was a message of good news. It literally says, I proclaim to you good news of great joy. That word, good news, is the Greek word evangelion. And that is a word we don't talk about a lot. It sounds a lot like evangelize, but it's, it's the word that literally translates today to the gospel. So that good news is the word that we know as the gospel. But what's really cool is that Greek word, there's a reason I used it, evangelion, was not invented by Luke. It wasn't invented by Mark, who used that word as well. That word evangelion was a word that was already used inside the Roman world of Jesus' time. It was a word used to refer to announcements of, get this, glad tidings regarding somebody's birthday, their rise to power, or maybe it was a word used to talk about a decree from the emperor that was to be heralded throughout the Roman Empire, the fulfillment of hopes and peace, well-being around the world. So when these angels come and proclaim a message of evangelion, it is talking about the birth of Jesus, his rise to power, the decree that the kingdom of God had come. So there's, there's a lot going on here. But what particularly is the good news? What was the content of that message of good news of great joy that the angels brought to the shepherds? Let me just read to you from uh, author Warren Wearsby. He said, what was the good news? 
Not that God had sent a soldier or a judge or a reformer. It was a message of peace to a world that had known much war in its time. The famous Pax Romana had been in effect since 27 BC, but the absence of war doesn't guarantee the presence of peace. The Stoic philosopher Eptetus said, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns even more than for outward peace. And this Jewish word, peace, means much more than a truce in the battles of life. It means well-being, health, prosperity, security, soundness, and completeness. It has to do more with character than circumstance. Life was difficult at that time just as it is today. Taxes were high, unemployment was high, morals were slipping lower, and the military state was out of control. Roman law, Greek philosophy, and even Jewish religion could not meet the needs of man's heart. Then, God sent a son. And so that's the message of the good news. That instead of sending a politician, instead of sending a soldier, instead of sending a philosopher, God sent a savior, his son, who is going to bring peace to the world. Not just peace from war and peace from conflict like the emperor brought, but peace to the heart of his people. Now, I think it's right here that we have to pause a little bit. It's right here that we have to lean a little bit more into this idea of peace because I think that this idea of peace is something that we too often misunderstand. Really, when we look at Scripture, there's two different kinds of peace. There's a peace from God, and then there's a peace with God. And so when we talk about peace from God, that peace from God is more a feeling of peacefulness that comes when maybe we're anxious, we're afraid, when we're overwhelmed of life, and God gives us a sense of peace, a feeling of peacefulness that calms our heart. That is what we mean when we see peace from God. But the truth is, that type of peace, peace from God, often comes and it goes It's helpful, but it doesn't last. See, that reminds me of one of my favorite Christmas stories. And when I say Christmas story, I don't mean a Christmas story from the Bible. I don't even mean a Christmas movie. I mean a moment in history that happened on Christmas that's absolutely incredible. You may not even know about. It's called the Christmas Truce of 1914. In 1914, we were in the middle of World War I, which was a war of trench warfare where armies on both sides, the British and the German, were dug into their trenches, lobbing grenades, shooting, and in between these trenches of the armies was a place called no man's land because you didn't go there, no man came back alive, right? Well, something incredible happened on the Christmas of 1914 in World War I. This trench warfare, the bloodiest war in history up to that point, uh, something miraculous happened. On Christmas Eve, December 24th, 1914, it's reported that Roman, or Roman uh, German soldiers began to sing a song in their own tongue, uh, a song called Silent Night. And then recognizing the melody... The British soldiers began to sing Silent Night in their 
tongue in English. And as both sides heard the other side singing common tongues, the tale is told that they emerged from their trenches and met, and then the next day celebrated Christmas together. And while that may be a little bit hallmarky of what actually happened, matter of fact, firsthand accounts uh, indicate that it wasn't the singing of angelic hymns that drew them out of the trenches, but the looking for a drink to celebrate Christmas Day that drew them out of the trenches. What happened historically is undeniable. Both sides on Christmas Day called a truce in the middle of World War I and began to sing and celebrate and even play soccer together in the middle of World War I. It's absolutely insane to think that would happen. Just days, hours before, they're trying to kill each other. And then on December 25th, 1914, they're playing soccer together. There's actually a statue up where this happened to commemorate the moment. But here's why I think that this fits so well into what we're talking about. On December 26th, they started shooting at each other again. See, the peace didn't last. And too often, that's our experience, right? That feeling of peacefulness just doesn't last. We have need of a greater peace. We have need of a truer peace, a peace that's not based on the things that's happening around us. And see, that's the peace. That true peace is the peace the angels heralded to the shepherds in the fields outside of Bethlehem. They weren't singing about a peace uh, from God. They were singing about a peace with God, a peace that was not based on the external circumstances of life, but peace with God is a standing before God that is made possible by the sacrificial substitutionary death of Jesus in our place on our cross. Romans 5.1 says it's this, this way, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, you may not have even realized that, but the truth of Scripture is this, is that you and I, born sinners, are born at war with God. And so it's not enough that we get peace from God to make ourselves feel better during hard times, but we need peace with God because God cannot and will not tolerate sin. And so when the angels proclaim peace to the shepherds, They're proclaiming that God has sent his son to make it possible for us to have a lasting, enduring peace with the God because his son was going to come and take our place on our cross that we could be forgiven of our sin. See, the significance of the angel's proclamation of good news and peace to the shepherds is that God was breaking through the chaos of life, the craziness of the day, to extend his grace and his mercy to men and women like you and I who do not deserve it and had no hope of earning it on their own. So what I want to challenge you with is this Christmas season, don't settle for some manufactured peace based on the circumstances of your life that's going to temporarily soothe your mind, you need to make sure that you have peace with God that your soul needs. Maybe right now, you would stop and you would cry out to Jesus and say, Jesus, I've been on the run from you for far too long. I've tried to do things my way, live the best I could, but I understand right now that my only hope of peace with you 
is a peace that comes through your son, Jesus. So I'm going to ask that you would forgive me of my sin and take control of my life. And we believe that when you pray that and when you mean that, that Jesus will do exactly what you ask. He will take control of your life. He will forgive you of your sins. And you can experience true peace with God. Peace that the angels sang about. Well, we have people right now who are waiting to talk with you, who are waiting to pray with you. Click that live prayer button, reach out to us in the comments, send us a direct message, but we want to connect with you so that you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the peace you need is a peace you can have. Peace with God. So let me pray for you. God, thanks for the time where we can look to your word and find the peace that our soul needs. God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to draw near to us, to take on human flesh, to live among us and ultimately die in our place on our cross all those years ago. And I pray now for those who don't know you as Savior, those who don't have that peace that only comes from a saving relationship with you. God, that today they would. That today they would cry out and be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.